been a minute. It's been a minute. Episode 25. I think it's 25. If it ain't, then whatever. But I believe it's 25. It's been a minute. And I apologize for that. But unfortunately, some personal things have come up in my life unexpectedly. And that's why I ain't been able to record as much as I wanted to, especially with the playoffs, the way it's been going. I really ain't been able to talk about it. But I'm going to try to get everything back on track and get it back as normal as possible, releasing the episode every week or every other week, hopefully. But like I said, just some personal things going on. Um, unfortunately, we found out that my mother has cancer. So that took us all by surprise. So, you know, just been trying to deal with that. And we had to move my mother in with me. Like I said, for most of y'all, y'all know that I'm from a small town here in Kentucky. And some of the doctors, in my opinion, uh, I just didn't like some of the things that they were saying. I felt like they were unprofessional. Um, some of the facilities and stuff is just, in my opinion, I felt like she wasn't going to get the proper care. Plus, that would have required me having to move back home for a little while just to help get her back and forth to doctor's appointments and stuff like that. So after a long conversation, we decided it was in the best interest for her to move up here with me. So that way I can get her where she needs to go. I can continue to work and take care of all the stuff that I need to take care of here. So that's why I haven't been able to record, get this podcast up and rolling because at that point man we, I, I felt like a lot of people were tuning in especially after the uh the last episode with the top 10 albums and stuff like that i got a lot of great feedback on that and i honestly was feeling positive about the direction it was going but that just shows you man it's like you never know what can happen in life and as i stated you know this was all unexpected it was all sudden but we're going to make the best of it. So if anybody listening to this, man, keep me and my family in your prayers, especially my mother. And we're going to fight this thing. We really are. But like I said, it's, it's just been a lot weighing on my mind for the beginning part. Couldn't have eat, couldn't sleep. And now it's like, you know, my brother and I, we are basically her uh, power of attorney, caregivers, so to speak. But he's my older brother lives in Texas. So we just try to, you know, divide some of these responsibilities the best way that, that we know how to make sure that everything is still trying to run as smooth as possible. So, again, keep us keep us in your prayers. And for my friends and family that have reached out, whether it's phone call, text messages, man, we 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 appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. And that shows you, man, it's like in your darkest hour, you never know who's going to shine that light in on you just to check on you. And I definitely appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of people that's been reaching out in certain days that I've been sitting here feeling feeling just down. I'll get a message, you know, hey, how, how you doing? How you holding up this and that? And then we'll have a conversation and it helps ease my mind. So I definitely appreciate it. So like I said, we're going to get this podcast back on track. It's a lot going on in sports right now. And today is closeout game for the Lakers. Lakers and the Rockets. Lakers is up 3-1 in that series, so hopefully they close it out. But we'll we'll touch on that here in a minute. Um, Denver showed a lot of heart last night. They was able to come back 
and gain another game on the Clippers. So now it's 3-2 with them. But for right now, that's where I'm going to start at. Because yesterday, the major headlines was Michael Porter Jr. And after they lost game four to go down 3-1, Michael Porter Jr. in the press conference said that he felt that the coaching staff needed to do what they needed to do something to get other people involved. And I honestly felt like there was nothing wrong with what he said. So I'm throwing this, I respectfully disagree out early. First five minutes of the podcast, I respectfully disagree because I first saw Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson got on his uh, Instagram and he was saying something about how the youngin got to stay in his place and this and that. Then I saw where Dane Lillard said something, and then that's when it just started hitting mainstream media. So a lot of these sports outlets and stuff are voicing their opinions, and they're talking about he's just a rookie. If he wants to question anything, he needs to question his defense, and they're attacking him on defense. And and let's, let's be honest, that is true. His defense has been suspect or whatever, but at the same time, he's proven in this bubble that he can go out and get buckets. Now, granted, it was early in the bubble, the little seeding games, Murray and all of them were injured at the time. But for the most part, in my opinion, I felt like that kid held his own. He had a few 30-point games, uh, made some big shots. He's able to go inside. He He's still able to jump. And like I said, this is all coming off back surgery. He really ain't had a chance to just get back on track and get that confidence back coming off back surgery and having to miss his whole college season. He gets drafted and basically missed the whole first year. So for him to come out and put on the performance that he was putting on, and for those that listened to my earlier uh, podcast when I was talking about the bubble and I was talking about him and Bobo, and I was like, man, Denver's going to be scary. But then the playoffs starting quite naturally, they shorten their rotation. So Bobo ain't even seen the floor at all. And I get it. Like right now is you got to have your big boy pants on and you don't have time for uh, having kids on the floor that ain't experienced none of this, especially if you're trying to win playoff game. So just in that alone and the fact that the coaches are trusting Porter Jr. to be on the floor shows you that he's gained somewhat of, of their respect to be out there. But going back to his comments, it's like you got a kid who coming out of high school was projected to be one of the best kids in the country. He chooses to go to Missouri. Missouri instantly catapults into the top 25, might have even been top 10, just off of this one kid signing to go to Missouri. So that lets you know what the expectations were for this kid. So he's always been a hooper. He's always had talent. He had bunnies. He has a jump shot. The only thing that you can question about his game is defense. But let's be honest, Denver ain't known for being no defensive-minded team as is. So him saying that, to me, I didn't see nothing wrong with it. But then you got these old heads, oh, man, he's out of pocket. He's out of place. Some things you got to keep in-house. I granted that part is true. He might not should have said it publicly, but shit, we down 3-1. I'm pretty sure he said something prior to being down 3-1 about, man, we got to get more touches. 
We got to get the ball moving. We got to do something. But they brush him off because at the end of the day, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. Stay in your place, rookie. But it's like, I don't fault him for that. And if anything, it, this is the see the glass half empty, half full moment. And I'm looking at it half full because I'm saying that you got a kid who's getting his first experience of NBA basketball, playoff basketball at that. And he's hungry for the moment. He wants to absorb some of that pressure off of the two stars in Joker and Jamal Murray, which at this point in time looks like garbage. If you look at that first series versus Utah, him and Donovan Mitchell was going back and forth, 50-point games, high 40s, just going back and forth, killing each other. And you thought, okay, he's going to go up against the Clippers, and this is going to be a great series. Well, that didn't happen. And as soon as Paul George and Kawhi get on him, dude looks like a deer in headlights. So... He goes from a 30-point score to a 16, 17-point score in a matter of a week, a week and a half. Joker is getting exposed. We already knew he was slow. You can't ask him to play any more faster than what he's playing. That's just his game. That's just who he is. But it's like you're bringing him up high with a pick and roll between Murray and Joker, and they're blitzing the pick and roll forcing Joker to try to put the ball on the ground. He's not fast enough. So now he's bobbling the ball or he's forcing these crazy passes, throwing it out of bounds, and they're closing in on him. And they they pretty much done pushed him out to the three-point line to where he's operating out, outside the paint. He catches the ball on the high post, and he keeps trying to back uh, Zubak down. And by the time he goes to make his move, he's turning into a trap. So he's having to throw up shots, and he's falling to the ground, crying for calls and this and that. So you would think, what, Denver won, I think, what, game two? It was 1-1. So you would think after game three, you would see some kind of adjustment. Like, we're going to go away from this, give him a different look, try to figure out how we can put him in different spots. But no, they kept with the same game plan. So then you get to game four, same game plan. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, I'm like, dog, this is not working. Whatever it is that y'all doing, it's not working. So I don't blame that kid for speaking up. If anything, man, you should applaud him for not shying away from the moment. Like I told somebody last night, and I don't want to get too far off track. I was like, I remember a young Kobe Bryant at Utah, playoffs, tight game. Kobe comes down, shoots an air ball. couple plays later, Kobe comes down, shoots an air ball. Game on the line, crunch time. Kobe shoots an air ball. That easily could have ended that kid's career. Could have took every bit of confidence he had and shattered his career. But he learned from it. He built from it. He got stronger. Shooting the air balls meant that he wasn't strong enough to get them shots up that late in the game. So now fatigue is a factor. So he he built his body up, worked on his endurance to where now that shot is nothing. And the rest is history. So it's like you got some people who shy away from it, and you got some people who welcome it with open arms. So if you got a young kid who's, what, 6'9", 6'10", got a shooter's touch, got a, a real legit jump shot, and can go in and dunk. I saw him punch on Trez the other night, dude. I'm like, he can kill you from the outside and the inside, and he's got the mind frame to where he wants some of the, some of the action late in games. 
how are you going to be mad at that? But like I said, that's we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. And I honestly thought they was going to not even let the kid play because I think last night he only took three shots and he made the shot with a minute and something left that pretty much iced the game. Then he comes down and gets a block on Zubak, gets the rebound back, and then goes down and makes the two free throws. And I'm saying to myself, like, this kid is not afraid of the moment. If Denver is smart, they're going to find a way to make him their third option. Because uh, what's old buddy's name? Grant? Can't think of his first name. I was like, if they're putting him in for, for defensive purposes, I don't even know how effective that is because Kawhi is getting any shot that he wants right now. He's picking them apart. And I've seen him pick up some of the most craziest fouls, just stupid fouls. But it's like you got a potential 15, 20-point score sitting on the bench. If they're going to blitz and focus on Murray and Joker, then I'm going to have him on the wings locked and loaded. Be ready. And he's already proven that he can shoot it or he can take it off the drive. So now you've breaking down, you're breaking down the defense that's trying to trap Joker. So if you trap Joker where he's catching it high free throw line, uh, low three point shot, uh, top of the key, you're going to trap him right there in the floor. As soon as you pass to that wing, they're going to have to rotate. So now you got Joker diving to the rim. And once you get it to him, they're going to have to close in even more. And now where you took the ball out of Murray's hands, he should be on the opposite wing. That's how you break that down. But instead, they got three people spaced out, two down in the corner, and you're trying to run pick and roll up top with Murray and Joker. And both of them are slow. Murray's scared of the moment because of Kawhi and Paul George, and Joker's just slow. Come on, man. But anyways, Clippers is up 3-2. Game six is tomorrow at... One o'clock, I believe. One o'clock. So real quick, I want to talk about the Clippers now because it's to the point where, man, I hate watching them play. All year long, we've been talking about how the Clippers are the favorite in the West. The Clippers are loaded. The Clippers are defensive juggernaut. Kawhi is one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. All these compliments about the Clippers, only to get into the bubble, and Dallas gave them every bit of everything that they can handle. And if you ask me, if Przingis doesn't get ejected, Dallas wins that game. It could potentially be up 3-0, 3-1 easily. 3-1, because I think game two, the Clippers, uh, one of them games, the Clippers blew them out. But they easily, Dallas could have won three games easily. But what I noticed is the very first game right out the gate, the whole game plan was we're going to try to punk and physically intimidate Luka. I saw Patrick Beverly come out the gate. I'm talking about as soon as the game started, they being physical with him, hand checking. That was the game where uh, they started out like 10 to nothing, 12 nothing. Threw Luka on the ground. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a sweep because I felt like they was trying to get in Luka's head and intimidate him. They wanted to be the enforcer. You got Markeith Morris, whichever one it is, whatever Morris that is. I think it's Markeith. Um physically out here trying to intimidate Dallas. Porzingis wasn't going for it. Porzingis starts going and they back. They had no answer for Luka. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is a kink in the Clippers armor right here because for them to be praised for how defensive 
sound uh, sound and talented they are defensively. I was like, this don't look like no 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 great team to me. And then as that series went on, Marquise Moore steps on the back of Luca's injured ankle, hits the man upside the head. Like they they to me they play dirty. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, dog, y'all are too talented to to stoop to that level. Just play the game. And that's where I'm like, Doc Rivers, dog, like. I don't know. It's just my opinion, but I don't. I don't lost a little bit of respect for Doc Rivers. I used to respect him as a coach because I felt like even when he was in Boston, like he put together some defensive schemes, him and his staff, to where they they pretty much built the wall around LeBron the way teams are doing Giannis. This was early back in the, the first run in Cleveland, and I was like, man, Doc Rivers is just a defensive-minded, tough coach. But now you got this group of goons. Where now it's like you ain't even doing nothing as far as a defensive scheme other than just bullying people on the court. And then you come down on the other end and Kawhi and all of them crying for fouls. You got Doc Rivers on the sideline crying for fouls. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, y'all got too much talent. Y'all are the favorite. Y'all are the number two team in the West. And you struggling against Dallas. Like, come on, bro. And then the same thing with this series against Denver. I'm sitting there watching the game last night, and it's like they're trying to be the enforcer. You're pushing a Joker around. You're closing in on Murray, and when they drive, you hand-checking. And, like, you're trying to intimidate all these teams. But then you come down on the other end, and y'all crying and begging for all these touch fouls. I don't know, man. I, just, I don't respect that. But it, it looks like the Clippers is going to go on and win. And we're going to get this Laker Clippers showdown, hopefully. Like I said, the Lakers still got to take care of business, and so does the Clippers. But it looks like we're going to get this Laker Clippers matchup. And I'll talk about that maybe next week if it happens. But I'm going to touch on this Milwaukee Bucks real quick. Because if you ask me, that was by far one of the biggest upsets in the NBA, by far. And this is where I'm I'm taking this because I honestly, you can see the bias. It's plain as day. And I don't understand why people don't, don't speak on that. Because for the second year in a row, the Milwaukee Bucks had the best record in the NBA. You got the returning MVP, reigning regular season MVP. You've already crowned him Defensive Player of the Year. I'll talk about that in a minute. And all signs is pointing towards him being MVP again. So you're talking about back-to-back MVP, back-to-back seasons as the number one team in the entire league. Not the East, the entire league. You get through the first round like it's nothing. Get to the second round, you're playing against Miami, which they're not in a slouch either. Miami's tough actually tougher than I thought. And Jimmy Butler's going off, putting 40 on your head. And the defensive player of the year won't even accept the challenge, won't even attempt to go out there. The news reporter asked him about it. He tries to avoid the question. Game two comes around. Build a wall around your MVP. You go down 2-0. Game three comes around. You tweak your own ankle. Nobody, you didn't step on nobody. Uh, You did that on your own. Then you come down and you foul Jimmy Butler with a tie game for him to ice the game at the free throw line. Defensive player of the year. Bonehead play. Like, you come in out of nowhere. Like, you wasn't even guarding him. You come in out of nowhere. If you're not making a play on the ball to swat it, then why are you even over there? 
and you put your hands on them down low. So immediately at that point, I make a post and I'm like, okay, we've seen this now for three years in a row. Every time the season starts, Giannis is the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's the face of the league. He's the this, he's the that. He's the best player we've ever seen. Who can stop him? When he gets downhill, who can stop him? But you get to the playoffs, and it's he needs better shooter. He needs a better team around him. He needs this. He needs that. And I'm asking myself, at what point in time are you going to tell the league MVP and the defensive player of the year that he needs to work on his offensive game outside of dunking the basketball, getting a full head of steam and euroing to the basket and spin moves and this and that? When, when do you tell your MVP that they need to, to cut that out? Like, you need to polish your game. You need to work on your game. You're the problem. And the media refuses to hold his feet to the fire. And that's the part that I don't like. I've been listening for years. LeBron's the, the face of the NBA. He's the this and that. He's got to find a way to close that game. He's got to find a way to do this. He's got to find a way to do that. And last night, Clippers is winning in the fourth quarter. They let the game get away. Where's the headlines of Kawhi's of the reigning finals MVP? He's got to find a way to close that game. You don't hear that. The Milwaukee Bucks go down 3-0 with the MVP and defensive player of the year. And you don't hear he's got to find a way to help his team close that game. But yet you blame it on Middleton. You blame it on Bledsoe. You blame it on George Hill. And as soon as he gets hurt in game four, Middleton goes off. And I'm saying to myself, like, it's plain as day. What's wrong with that team? You got a guy who cannot shoot handling the ball out top because the only way he can score is to get a full head of steam and get downhill, which causes everybody else to stand around and watch because you have to wait to see if he can score. And if he can't score, then he has to kick out. So now you got to be ready to shoot, similar to what LeBron does. But the difference between Giannis and LeBron, in my opinion, is LeBron is somewhat of a threat to make those shots outside. He gets trigger happy sometimes, and he bricks. But at the same time, you still got to respect him to take it. So you can't just all the way fully commit to building a wall around him because he's a great passer. He can find those those people. Giannis can't handle the ball better than LeBron, and he's not that good of a passer, in my opinion. So once you put that wall around him, he's useless. So now you're blaming the others when you should be blaming the MVP because some of those games was tight. You're supposed to be able to put the ball in your MVP's hands and tell them to bring us home. I've yet to see him do that. So if you go all the way back, Boston beat them in the playoffs. They built the wall around him. Last year, Toronto beat them in the playoffs, built the wall around him. There was nothing about this season that showed you that he's worked on his game to get anywhere near a little 10-foot, 12-foot jump shot or to at least be able to catch the ball in the low post to where he can turn and do a little jump hook. That makes the defense have to collapse down low on him, and he can kick out that way. You got your shooters around him where he's kicking out that way, similar to kind of like Dwight Howard in Orlando. 
you have to throw it in down low because Dwight was positioning himself that close to the rim. And then you left uh, Turkaloo and Rashad Lewis and all them guys deadly snipers. The Milwaukee Bucks has shooters, man. They got Kyle Korver, uh, George Hill. I'm not putting Bledsoe in that conversation because he can't shoot. If you want to blame anybody, you can blame Bledsoe because his shot is trash. But you're not going to tell me that Middleton, Middleton is a 20-point score. And y'all going to put all the blame on them and your MVP is averaging 17 in the second round of the playoffs? 17 points. But you're going to find a way to blame everybody else. And I'm like, dog, that's, that's garbage to me. And then the breaking news today is he done unfollowed all his teammates on social media. Everybody's encouraging him to leave. And I was like, like what? what is the – like, I don't even understand that. The irony in all of that. You killed LeBron for leaving Cleveland to go to Miami. He's got to tough it out. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. And, again, it may sound biased, but in my opinion – Giannis has a way better roster than LeBron ever had when he was in Cleveland. You got both Lopez brothers, Middleton, Corver, uh, the dude who was in the little dunking contest. The other guy, I can't think of his name, the shooter. Like, he's got plenty of weapons around him. The problem is the Greek freak. But nobody will hold his feet to the fire. Now the scapegoat is he's got to get out of Milwaukee. So we'll see how that goes. In my opinion, again, until that man figures out how to score other than dunking, to me, he's overrated. He's overrated. Back-to-back MVP and defensive player of the year, but you can't put the ball in his hands to close out the game. And that moves us to Miami. Miami is, whew, I don't think nobody was expecting them to come out like that. Miami is is dangerous. They look legit. Uh Jimmy Butler was questionable in those last two games against Milwaukee. But outside of that, Bam, Tyler Hero, Drogic, man, them boys is balling. Jay Crowder. I want to talk about Jay Crowder because that's the Jay Crowder that was in Boston. And a lot of people thought that when they made that trade and sent him to Cleveland, that's the same Jay Crowder that you was going to get. But the problem with that is I feel like coaching and LeBron's style of play. LeBron forces people to become spot-up shooters where Miami has been moving the ball and Crowder is catching those shots in rhythm. Same way the, uh, the way the Boston Celtics were playing. Their offense was designed to crisp passing, moving it around the horn, and now you're catching somebody in a rhythm to where as soon as they catch it, they can go straight up versus somebody is just standing in the corner, standing in the corner, not moving, not moving, and then you catch it and try to go up. That's almost like a set shot. And you got the defense closing out on you. And the shot clock is running down. So it's like you got to rush your shot, make sure you get it off so the defense don't close out too hard on you. And it's like all you got all these variables in your mind to where it changes your shot. So playing with LeBron is like you you got to be on your your P's and Q's when that ball comes to your hands. Like you got to be mindful. Is the shot clock low? How far is my is my guy uh as far as closing out? Because if I don't get this shot off, he's going to tip it. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to got to be mindful of all these things versus 
the defense has collapsed. You catch the ball. You're coming up to it. You're already in a in a in a motion to where all you got to do is catch and go up, and the defense is nowhere near you. You wide open, and he's making those shots for Miami. He's sticking those shots for Miami. He's putting the ball on the ground and attacking the rim hard for Miami, and it, that's dope to see him do that because you almost thought his career was going to a waste. I think he went from what Boston to Cleveland to Utah. I think, and now he's in Miami, and that like they 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 balling. So now we got Miami and the Celtics Eastern Conference Finals. That's going to be a good one. Because I honestly thought the Boston Celtics was going to trick that series off against Toronto. And shout out to Toronto, man! Everybody thought when Kawhi left that they was going to be at the bottom of the East. And the way they played this year, they was just gritty, like. 48 minutes of a nonstop defense, and I didn't expect that, man. Kyle Lowry definitely earned his stripes this season, and salute to the Toronto Raptors. It's just, in my opinion, I think coaching. Coaching kind of overshadowed that series because Boston pretty much, for the most part, led them in every category. Uh, Boston damn near could have swept them, if you want to be honest. They got a lucky buzzer beater or whatever. And then Kyle Lowry kind of wheeled them to a game. But outside of that, Boston was the better team. Got the, the better star players, in my opinion. You got a young Jalen Brown. You got Tatum. Kimba was kind of up and down. But overall, I felt like Boston had the better talent. Toronto had the better spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just played with heart. And that's where Kawhi was missing at. If they had that superstar then they definitely would have pulled that game out. So the Eastern Conference Finals is set. Definitely going to be a good one. Like I said, we'll talk about that before they, they kick off. But uh, Houston Rockets, man, that's another team that I'm like, why don't people hold hold these players to the fire? Like James Harden is the best thing we've seen since Wilt Chamberlain. He's putting up Wilt Chamberlain numbers. James Harden is a bad man. He's averaging 40. He's scoring the most points this, the most points that. And, hell, if you go all the way back to the OKC uh, series, he played terrible with the series on the line. Terrible. But you don't hear none of the media criticize him for that. They might mention it. He had a poor performance. Blah, blah, blah. But they don't hold his feet to the fire like they would a LeBron James. If LeBron James went 2 for 11, looked like he didn't have a care in the world about winning the game, man, Skip Bayless and him, dog, you would have to almost cancel the show because that's all they would talk about. The whole two hours would be about how LeBron folded under the pressure. They still to this day bring up that uh, Miami versus Dallas and that shit's been almost 10 years ago. Still to this day, they they still bring that up. But it's like year after year after year, we watch James Harden do the same exact thing in the MVP race. And then when the game is on the line, when the series is on the line, and when everything is, you got to throw all your cards on the table, he don't show up. You put two MVPs on the same roster, James Harden and Russell Westbrook, on the same roster, and late in games, 
They make some of the most stupidest passes, take some of the dumbest shots, and nobody holds them accountable for that. It's just almost like, oh, well, that's what we expect. Like, like hell no, almost cussed. Like, hell no. Like, you're an MVP. You are supposed to, like, you get the big dollars to show up for games of this magnitude. Why are you not coming to work? The last game, James Harden had 21 points. 16 of them came off of free throws. That is unacceptable. Westbrook, like, dude, man, pick your ball up and go home, dog. Because you out here making some of the most bonehead plays. I honestly thought coming into this game, I said Lakers in six coming into this series. And they still might be six if they come out with some form of heart today. But hopefully the Lakers go on and bury them. But I'm saying to myself, with the Rockets three-point shooting, and early in the year, the Lakers proved that they couldn't defend the three. That's why I was scared of Portland. Like I said, with all this stuff going on with my mom or whatever, I really ain't been able to talk about the playoffs the way I want to outside a few little Facebook statuses here and there. But I definitely ain't been able to get my thoughts recorded on this mic. I was scared of the Portland Trailblazers because I was like, man, Melo, Dane, McCollum, uh, the other little dude with the dreads or whatever. can't think of his name right now. I was like, man, they got snipers all around the court. And then after that game one, dang, I was like, oh, man, here we go. But the Lakers clamped down. So I'm like, okay, damn, I want OKC because I'm like, Houston is uh, Portland Trailblazers 2.0. And the Lakers are up 3-1. I'm not complaining about it, but I'm still saying to myself, like, where's the effort? Where's the heart at? So... All it took was for the Lakers to play some form of, of, of defense to where now y'all done gave up. You quit. The only thing y'all know how to do is shoot three-pointers. You're not even going to attempt to adjust and do something different. The game plan is just host up three-pointers. Just launch threes. If we can't get the threes up, then you know what? We'll just we'll just lose. And that's the part that I'm like, dog, what, 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 what happened to basketball to where – there's no adjustments in the game. There's no adjustments in the game. If you go back to game six, Boston, Toronto. Toronto gets the ball with 18 seconds left. They call a timeout. You put the ball in Powell's hands with 18 seconds left and tell everybody to spread the floor and go ISO for 18 seconds. You don't run a play at all. Not one play to try to get a good, clean look. You just ISO, dribble the ball out, tell a guy to go one-on-one and throw up a terrible shot. Like, what happened to the X's and O's of basketball, man? Like, the players are just as important as the coach. Take that back. Rewind that back. The coach is just as important as the players. The coach's job is when we need a bucket, I got something in my back pocket that's going to get somebody open and it's your job now to make the shot. And that's where I give Brad Stevens credit because Brad Stevens always got to play on deck for any kind of situation. And that goes all the way back to where I saw him draw up plays when they was playing against Philadelphia. Out-of-bounds plays, people end up wide open. But I'm saying that you got 18 seconds and you don't run a play at all to get anybody open. Luckily, they ended up winning the game anyway. But I'm saying, dude, like all this ISO ball, I watched the Clippers do it. I watched the Lakers do it. It's like there's no, like, 
I don't get it. And that's the part about basketball that I miss. But that's a whole nother conversation. Back to the Houston Rockets. Like, <laughs> I'll give Westbrook credit because at least he's attempting to drive to the basket. Now, once he get there, he's getting his shit swatted and throwing up bricks or throwing the ball out of bounds. But at least he's putting forth the effort. You tell P.J. Tucker to go stand in the corners and wait. Hopefully the ball come your way. Like, and James Harden is just out here nonchalant, no care in the world about whether he wins or loses. Like, there's no fire from him. But yet the media wants you to believe that he's the next best thing since Kobe and Wilt as far as scoring the basketball. But you don't never take in consideration that this man averages 15 free throws, 15 free points. So as soon as the game starts, you can pencil James Harden in for at least 12. I'm going to say he missed two or three of them. Put him down for 12 points before the game even starts. But you want me to believe that he's this offensive juggernaut. He's damn near self-check. All you got to do is throw a trap in him. He's going to get rid of the ball. He ain't even trying to beat the trap. Not even attempting to beat the trap. And that's why I'm just like, man, it, it's just crazy. Between Westbrook, Harden, and Greek Freak. Each one of them have an MVP award, which means that at some point in time, they was the best player in the entire NBA. Where the hell is it at? If Harden don't show up tonight, which evidence has shown that in closeout games, he disappears, then we're going to have to have this conversation, especially if they're not talking about it Monday morning. If the Rockets lose tonight and they're not talking about it Monday morning, I'll be back. <laughs> Damn Terminator, I'll be back. Because that's, that's BS. Like, this man, going back to LeBron, in year 17, shout out to my homie Tink. You, you listen to the podcast, so hopefully you'll be listening to this. He's a Lakers fan, diehard Lakers fan, lifelong Lakers fan. And he watches the game and he critiques LeBron's every move, travel, uh, double dribble, quit crying for calls, quit doing this, quit doing that. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, he's in year 17 and y'all still expecting him to play like a dude who's 23, 24, 25 years old, but yet. The guys who are actually around that age, you don't care that they let the game slip away. You don't care that they're not aggressive. You don't care that they're not trying to take over in the fourth. The other night, LeBron didn't score in the fourth quarter, man. The social media erupted. Your boy had zero points. He didn't even score in the fourth. How many guys you know don't score in the fourth? Kawhi had two in the fourth. Cricket. Kawhi shoots terrible the other night. Crickets. That's all I'm saying. Be consistent. I, I critique and criticize LeBron when he don't play up to par. But I also tell the other superstars in the league that I'm holding you to that same standard. And I, I'm being honest. Like, I honestly feel like I'm the only one that does that. Because if you question or challenge any other player, oh, well, well, LeBron been in the league this long. LeBron been in the league. I'm like, dog, Kawhi didn't been in the league nine, ten years. They ain't new to this. This ain't nothing new. This ain't a new stage for them. James Harden been in the MVP race for the last four or five years, bro. Like, this ain't new to him. You done been to the Western Conference Finals, Game 7s. Where is the experience? Where is the growth from that? Golden State took you to the brinks. Matter of fact, y'all was in control of them series. And you didn't gain nothing from that. You didn't get no hunger from that to come back the next year and try to get over that hump. Just the same old James Harden. Like, nah, bro, that's, that's garbage. 
That's garbage. But we're going to end this on a on a lighter note. Uh, what's dude's name? House for the Rockets. House. Uh, he, he's, he's been kicked out of the bubble. He's been removed from the bubble. Completely removed. Like, pack your stuff up. Go home. Like, that's, that's crazy to me. Daniel House snuck somebody in the bubble. Now, to my understandings, since the second round has started, the players are allowed to invite uh, family, I guess wife and kids. I guess if you got a long, long time girlfriend or whatever. But you can invite people of importance to the bubble. Of course, they got to go through the quarantine period and this and that. But people were invited. So game three, they're like, Daniel House won't be playing for internal reasons, blah, blah, blah. So then game four comes up, and now all the rumors start circling about how he done snuck somebody into the bubble. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you, you couldn't put a name down on the list. So then it comes out again that, like, she might be a nurse. She done the, the testing or whatever. So I'm like, okay. She's hands-on all day. <laughs> testing people with COVID or trying to make sure don't nobody got COVID and that's who you invite to the room people who've been involved hands on <laughs> trying to combat the virus that's who you want to sneak in and damn near contaminate everybody and the whole bubble goes to waste how stupid could you be and then the news broke out that my man's got a wife and kid at home kids plural this man got three kids and a wife at home, and you want to try to sneak a chick into a highly secured bubble. Bubble. That's an enclosure. You are in a closed environment. Everything is being monitored. Matter of fact, all of y'all got on bracelets that's GPS tracked. They know where you at, who you with, how close you are to people at all times. And you thought it was a smart idea to try to sneak somebody into your hotel room for multiple hours and thought you weren't gonna get caught. So not only did you get kicked out the bubble, you might've cost your team a trip to the Western Conference Finals. We'll never know. And on top of that, you get ready to go home and your wife get ready to put you out. Probably file for a divorce. Now you gotta pay her for the divorce and you probably gonna be on child support because them kids look young. Dog, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I'm like, man, it is it that good, guys? Is that is that WAP or what how does what does Cardi B say? WAP, WAP? Is it that good? Is it that good or were you willing to risk your family, put your team success on the line? You gonna risk it all for a few hours or whatever y'all was in your room doing. Come on, fellas, man. We got we gotta think better than that. And long term, it ain't like he's a superstar on the Rockets, no way. You you are replaceable. So you might not even have your damn job. Like, come on, man. We got to do better than that. We got to do better than that. But anyways, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Hopefully, man, the Lakers going to take care of business so they can get extra days rest or whenever the Western Conference Finals start. I'm hoping they give all them guys at least, man, give them two or three days off, man, because they are constantly playing it's just back-to-back, back-to-back. Like, you get one day off. And then for the Celtics, game six, for all them dudes to play in the high 50s, the game went into, what, two overtimes? You get one day off, and then you got a closeout game, a game seven. 
Like, come on, man. But, hell, it was a good game last night. So, uh, my early season predictions was Lakers versus Celtics. So, that's that's still that's still on the table. We'll see how that goes. But, anyways, man, I appreciate y'all for listening. Kind of ran it. But, like I said, man, it feels good to be back on the mic. Y'all continue to keep a prayer for my mother, my family, and myself, man. It's just just trying to make the best of this situation. And we definitely got a uphill battle to fight. But like I said, through prayer, anything is possible. And shout out to my brother because he said something to me the other day. And it, it kind of stuck home. Uh, like I said, he, he came down and he's been here in Kentucky with us for the last two or three weeks. He finally went back to Texas on Wednesday. But uh, like I said, him and my mom, they've been here at my house. And I was just telling him, I was like, man, you know, I can't eat, can't sleep. I was like, man, how are you just walking around here like like ain't nothing going on? And he was like, that means that you ain't got much faith. And when he said that to me, man, it just it took me by surprise. And I had to think about it for a minute because I was like, you know, I've never questioned my faith. Then he's like, then what you stressing about? Why are you worried then? He's like, man, you, you got to understand, you know, some things are out of your control. But as long as you got faith, then you shouldn't be losing no sleep. And I was like, you know what? In my mind, I'm like, damn, <laughs> you're right. You're right. And it's almost like, you know, you it's it's your mental demons, man. You sitting here psyching yourself up and you you sitting around thinking of some of the most terriblest things the worst things imaginable but it's not helping the situation and not only that you messing up your own health i'm sitting around not eating can't sleep and this and that and i'm stressing about scenarios that i've made up in my mind that ain't even presented itself they're not even there so shout out to my brother dog love you man appreciate that because whether or not you believe it like it definitely stuck in my mind and I still think about it and yeah that's been almost a week so definitely continue to send those prayers man and thank you to everybody that's called and text mom is okay she's in better spirits versus a couple weeks when I first saw her like she didn't have the energy couldn't get up couldn't do nothing where now she's up she almost is back to being her normal self so continue to send those prayers, man, and we definitely gonna fight this. Definitely. We out of here. No competition. I'm Nisha Coastal. Yeah. I feel